Katie. And I'm Amy. And this is Right to Remain Silent, a true crime podcast. Firstly, I want to apologise that we missed last week. Um, as you know, I've been having like issues with my wisdom tooth and I was in loads of pain. And then I had it out on Monday, had a few complications and it's only really yesterday I felt like I could actually talk properly. And I just wasn't feeling well. I felt like I had flu, so I wasn't able to even finish off the research that I'd started the week before. So I just decided, look, I can't do this. I felt really bad, but I just wasn't well enough. It's one missed episode. It's not the end of the world. No, I do wish we'd have made more of an effort to have some in the bank, but we are trying. (laughs) Our very best. We are. Um, Podcast news... We're not going to talk at the beginning anymore. We've decided we prefer it when we go straight into the case. So the only bits we'll be saying at the beginning from now on will be about the podcast itself. We're going to chat afterwards. So if you enjoy us chatting about random shit, then listen to us. Carry on listening to us after we finish the case. Don't just switch us off. (laughs) Um, And Patreon is live if you're interested. So we are at patreon.com slash rtrspod. No pressure to donate, but it would be very nice and very helpful. So have a look over there, see if you fancy it. And yeah. Thanks in advance. Yeah, thanks in advance. (laughs) So this is our first two-parter, which we didn't plan. But as we were doing the... No, as I was doing the research... (laughs) I realise this is just such a long case that I don't want to skip through. I don't want to miss anybody's name. I don't want to brush over anyone's death. So Or overwhelm everybody with a two-hour long episode. Yeah, because we don't do very long episodes. I suppose if we did long episodes anyway, it'd just be a longer episode, but this would probably be like an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes if we did the whole thing. So yeah. we're going to split it in two. Um... This week will be the nicer part. Next week will be bloody horrible. Yeah. So Doesn't look too good. <laughs> no. I mean, it's depressed me just doing the research and listing all these people that this guy killed. It was just so depressing. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, so this week is just like the history of the guy and how he started. And the next week is like he killed him, 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 him. <laughs> <laughs> And a few more. Yeah. So this week we are doing Fritz Harman, who was named the Butcher of Hanover. He's a German guy who killed in the early 19th century. No, 20th century. I always get those mixed up. I know, it's because it's like 1900, you automatically think it's the 19th century, but there had to be one before the first century. (laughs) Before the year 1000, should I say. Yeah, no, not you mean... Um, most of this information is from Wikipedia because Wikipedia was the only place I could find that actually listed each death and in order. Most websites just kind of said between these dates he killed X amount of people and then made a list at the end and I didn't want it to... I didn't want to brush past it that way. Um, Like I said, I wanted to make sure that all the information was in the right order and everyone... Every victim got a name and was noticed, which I know won't affect this episode, but I just wanted to let you know that it is from Wikipedia, mostly. Um, but I'll list the other 
sources at the bottom of the show notes. There we go. <laughs> In the early 20th century, the Butcher of Hanover was running rampant, killing boys and young men in Hanover, Germany. Throughout his time as a serial murderer, he killed at least 24 males, and it was believed that he had many more victims. He didn't just murder these victims. He raped, mutilated, and dissected them too. This man's name was Frederick Heinrich Karl Harmon, and he was finally executed for his crimes in 1925 at the age of 45. Every murder was a violent and traumatic experience for each of his victims, and he wasn't only known as the Butcher of Hanover, but also the Vampire of Hanover and the Wolfman. He is arguably one of the worst serial murderers in Germany. Fritz, as he was known to everyone, was born in Hanover on the 25th of October 1879, the youngest of six children. His parents were Ollie and Joanna Harmon, and Ollie married Joanna, who was seven years his senior, for her money, but it seems that they were still quite poor. Her father was described as cantankerous and cold towards the family, and he had a short temper. He had numerous affairs throughout the marriage, and eventually contracted syphilis. His mother, however, babied young Fritz. She also treated him the same as his sisters, encouraging him to play with dolls and dress in his sister's clothes. She taught him to cook and do needlepoint, which nowadays wouldn't seem odd, but in the late 1800s, early 1900s, this was not the way that boys behaved, nor were they activities that they took part in. Fritz started school in 1886, and his teachers saw him as a spoiled and mollycoddled child who often daydreamed. He was a well-behaved pupil, but his academic ability was below average, and he had to repeat one of his years twice. As he grew older, he would torment his sisters, including knocking on the windows outside after dark and claiming that the noises have come from supernatural sources. He also hated his father and argued with him constantly. By 1895, he attended a military academy in... Go on, Katie? I think it's Nuff-Brinsack. Nuff-Brinsack? Something like that. Yeah, any names we get wrong in this, we're really sorry. There's loads and loads of names, and they're all German, obviously. So, Yeah, and we're really not good with the German language. No. <laughs> but he excelled in this military academy um, at first, but then developed health issues. He would be involved in training exercises and suddenly become unconscious. This quickly turned into full seizures, so Fritz discharged himself and went home. That bit where it says about him, um, like, bullying his sisters, basically, and knocking on windows. I mean, isn't that just things little brothers do? I would think so, yeah. The way it's just was, playing pranks, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the way it was put, it was like, oh, this is a sign. It's like, he's just a little boy. <laughs> yeah. Who's got, what, five sisters? And it's like... Yeah, he's he's bound to do something. <laughs> yeah, just leave him, just let him be a little boy, you know. Yeah. That's the only thing I've got. I mean, everything else was a bit suspect and whatever, but that was, it just didn't... I put it in there because it was said, but I don't think it was, like, a major deal. No. I mean, I think we've done worse to each other when we were young. <laughs> Mainly me. <laughs> yeah, you were a lot bigger than me. <laughs> in all ways. <laughs> well, you are four years older, so... Yeah. It's a lot when you're little. 
reported that at eight years old, Fritz was sexually abused by a teacher. However, he wouldn't talk about this incident. After leaving the military academy, he began working in his father's cigar factory, and it was around this time that his criminal history began to take shape. At the age of 16, Fritz lured several young boys to secluded areas and sexually assaulted them. Accusations of Fritz doing this were spreading around the town, and eventually several victims named him as the suspect. In July of 1896, he was arrested, and by February 1897, the Division of Criminal Matters decided to send Fritz to a mental asylum in Hildensheim. His time at the institution was described by Fritz as sheer torture, and an experience he would never forget, but there is no information explaining what happened to him there. He was briefly sent to a hospital in Hanover for a psychiatric evaluation, where they deemed him to be incurably deranged and unfit to stand trial. A doctor at the hospital, whose name I definitely can't pronounce, so I'm not even going to try, (laughs) ordered Fritz to be a patient at the mental institution indefinitely. This wasn't the case, however, as seven months later, in late 1897, Fritz escaped and fled to Switzerland. That's crazy that he managed to escape a mental institution because from what I've seen, from what they were like then as well, like there was no way you were getting out. No, some people were chained up and drugged that much, they couldn't do anything and deprived of food. And He must have been very clever to manage to escape. Yeah, he must have played stupid or something and then, you know, ran out when he could. Yeah. There's no information about it, so I don't know how he escaped, but yeah, like you say, he must have done something. He must have had to really think about it to go. Yeah. Fritz stayed in Switzerland for almost two years with a relative of his mother's, working as a handyman at a shipyard before returning to Germany in 1899, now aged 20. Shortly after his return, he began to try and live a normal, heterosexual life and become engaged to a woman named Erna Lowert. His parents were extremely happy that Fritz was moving forward with Erna, hoping that this would stop his crimes and he would live an ordinary life. Erna became pregnant with his child before they were married, and Fritz did the only thing he believed to be the right thing to do. He left Erna and his unborn child and joined the military. Terrible. Yeah. In October 1900, Fritz was deployed to Colmar, northeastern France, to serve with the Number 10 Rifle Battalion. He was an excellent soldier and marksman, commended by his superiors, and he later described this time as one of the happiest he had had in his life. It was only a year later that the seizures returned during an exercise, and after spending time in hospital, he was discharged due to being unfit for military service and work, and returned home. So, when he came home, I couldn't find exactly where he went. There was conflicting statements about whether he went back to Erna, and they didn't get married, but then there's articles that she's using his surname so maybe she took his surname and used it as her own or they did get married there's some articles that say he went back to his family but it doesn't say whether it means to his parents or to Erna and the baby there's also an article that says that Erna's pregnant in 1904 which means they had two children but that's not clearly stated it just says she was pregnant at the time Um, It's also unclear if he received any military payment for his medical discharge, as 
it's not a consistent fact that I could find. Um, so we're going to have to skip most of this time in his life, even though I was trying to make it as whole as possible. But there's no clear, concise facts and nothing seems to be consistent. So this is just a bit we're going to have to skip, unfortunately. At some point after he left the military, Fritz had a violent argument with his father, Ollie. Fritz being arrested and charged with assault before having another psychiatric evaluation. The doctor deemed Fritz to be morally inferior, but not mentally unstable, and he returned to his family. The next ten years, he began to live a life filled with thievery, burglary, and also worked as a con artist. He did have legitimate employment throughout this time but it usually ended with his termination, or him leaving due to thieving from his employer or their customers. At one of his jobs as an invoice clerk, Fritz became acquainted with a female colleague, with whom he claimed to have stolen several tombstones and graves between 1905 and 1913, although he was never charged with anything relating to this matter. His short stints in prison began in 1905, with charges including larceny, embezzlement and assault. He spent most of his life between 1905 and 1912 in prison. Who steals tombstones? I know, I don't get that. I mean, I know there was grave robbing at the time. Like, yeah, from the actual grave. Yeah, like the bodies and things, but... And, like, people still, at that time, buried things with the bodies, so that would make sense to open the casket and see if there was anything valuable in there. Yeah. But the tombstone... I know, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you should... I found that really bizarre. Surely you can't sell it, it's got someone else's name on it. Well, yeah, unless you sand it down within an inch of its life. <laughs> yeah. Like the thinnest tombstone ever. Yeah. In 1913, Fritz was arrested for burglary, and after a search of his home, they found several items that linked him to other thefts in the area. Although he pleaded innocence, he was charged and sentenced to five years in prison. Due to the compulsory conscription because of the outbreak of World War I, Germany had a shortage of domestic manpower. Towards the end of his five-year sentence, Fritz was allowed to go out to work during the day on the grounds of manor houses as long as he returned to prison in the evening. After his release from prison in April 1918, he initially moved to Berlin but quickly returned to Hanover briefly living with one of his sisters before getting his own apartment in August of the same year. Fritz commented on the rife poverty of Germany after its loss of the war. He began trading and buying stolen property at Hanover Central train station and gained many criminal contacts to trade contraband with. During this time, he also became a police informant, more for the fact that they would look away from what he was doing and focus on other criminals than him wanting to be helpful. The police knew that he was a criminal and homosexual, which at the time was a crime and punishable by imprisonment. But they were happy with the information he was giving them on Hanover's criminal network. Fritz would trade or purchase stolen goods and let the officers know a date and time he would exchange the property so they could, quote, raid his property and arrest the suspect. During these raids, he would also be seemingly arrested to not cause suspicion and so he could carry on as an informer. He performed citizens' arrests on train passengers caught with forged documents, and as a result of these acts, the police came to rely on him heavily for information, letting him patrol the train station at will. 
Fritz's six years of sexual violence and murder began in 1918. Typically, Fritz found his victims at the train station where he patrolled and led them back to his apartments with the promise of hot food and a warm, safe bed for the night. His youngest victim was only 10 years old. The majority were runaways, leaving the troubled life at home, hoping to find somewhere safer. Fritz's first known victim was 17-year-old Friedel Roth. We are unsure as to how Friedel came to be with Fritz, but we assume that he was a boy he came across in the station. His disappearance was reported on the 25th of September, 1918, and his friends told police that he'd been last seen with Fritz. At this time, Fritz lived in an apartment at 27 Celestrave, and by October, Friedel's family was putting pressure on police to check Fritz's apartment. Officers finally attended his apartment, finding Fritz with a semi-naked 13-year-old boy. He was charged with sexual assault and battery of a minor, and sentenced to nine months in prison, although he avoided his sentence throughout 1919, reasons unknown. It seems as though police didn't search the apartment at this time for Friedel. In October 1919... Fritz met Hans Granz, an 18-year-old man who had left home in Berlin after an argument with his father. That's the best name ever, Hans Granz. Hans Granz, I know, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the easier ones to say. Yeah, well. it is. Hans had been living in and around the train station for about two weeks, selling old clothes for money to buy food. Hans knew Fritz was gay due to the gossip from friends he had made in Hanover and offered Fritz sex in exchange for payment. Hans moved in with Fritz, and their relationship moved from a business exchange to friendship and eventually lovers. Hans also became an accomplice for Fritz when he walked in on him killing his second victim. Between March and December 1920, Fritz finally served his time in prison for the sexual assault and battery of the 13-year-old boy, and after release, Fritz and Hans lived in a motel and then lodged with a family member before moving into a new apartment close to the Line River? I think so. In the old part of Hanover, at... Eight Neustrav. There we go. Mm -hmm. Fritz had regained the trust of the police after his release from prison, and was once again an informer. I don't get how, like, they was like, oh, you've done all this, and, you know... We know you go after boys who run away and generally come through this train station. But, you know, you can be an informer again. I know, like a convicted rapist of a child. Yeah. It's not the first time he's done it. No. And the fact that they didn't even look for Friedel in his apartment. Like in his first no. apartment. You know, that's what you went looking for. I know you got distracted by the fact that there was a 13-year-old in his bed, which I totally get, but yeah. you still went there for one purpose. Mm. For them to just forget or dismiss that. Yeah. Well, there's obviously more to the story that they've turned a blind eye to because he's a very good informant. Yeah, it just makes you wonder, like, how much would he have done if they'd have just caught him then? If they'd yeah. well, not caught him, because obviously he wouldn't have done the rest, but if they'd have taken more notice of him. Yeah. You know, maybe his count would have been halved, or even, you know, only one more person went missing and they thought, you know what, there's. Yeah, he's done this he's, before. There's another guy that went missing that was seen with him. Yeah. Maybe. We need to look at him again. 
I think it's crazy, like, how short a sentence he got for raping a 13-year-old boy. I know. Like, I I always do think, even now, that, you know, rapists don't get a long enough sentence. No, not at all. But nine months is laughable, really, for what he's done. Especially for a minor. Yeah. You know, I know someone recently who got 18 months. Yeah. For an adult. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I know it was 100 years ago. Times were different. Opinions it were was. different. But but the fact as well that, like, homosexuality back then was punishable by imprisonment. Yeah. So how long did he actually get for the rape and how much did he actually get for the homosexuality behind the crime? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't specifically say that, so I'm assuming they didn't no. even add that onto it because he was never arrested for being gay mm. because they were just happy for him to be an informant do what you want as long as you give us all these criminals the police are just crazy yeah they are <laughs> um, that's it for this one I know it's short but we didn't want to get into the victims and then just suddenly stop yeah so although we probably could have gone on for another like 10-15 minutes I didn't want to start it and then be like right now for next week Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, next week you're going to have all 24 victims named. It's going to be really depressing. And, yeah, <laughs> enjoy this nice section. <laughs> yeah, we can't really say look forward to next week. No, not at all. It's not going to be something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, are you reading anything this week, Amy? No, I intended to start reading my book again last night and then I was like, you know what, I want to watch Sons of Anarchy and so that's what I did. Yeah, I didn't read last night either. No. No. Terrible. Both of us. Absolutely terrible. I am reading Ready Player Two. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast yet. Um, no. Because you got it the day you had your teeth took out, didn't you? Well, I got I got it I think I got it the week before but I was still in pain so I didn't want to start oh, yeah. it and then be like, not be distracted so I've read three chapters oh I went looking for it um me and Dave went to Southport last week and doing a bit of Christmas shopping and he said you know if there's anything you see and I was looking for Ready Player 2 and Waterstones didn't have it didn't they they had Ready Player 1 upstairs in the sci-fi section yeah but then they didn't have Ready Player 2 in the teen section or the sci-fi section it's weird yeah. Especially considering it's so new. It's brand new. Mm. It was not even downstairs in like the new release bit. No. Nice that Waterstones, isn't it? It's a very nice building. Yeah, yeah. all them buildings are really nice. Yeah. It reminds me of the one in Preston Town Centre because that's a really nice building as well. Is it? Yeah. I don't think I've been to that one yet. Um. What else? Um. Life's the same really, isn't it? Yeah. When the... I have no free evenings. No, but that's going to change a bit, isn't it? Yeah, so I've got another three late shifts next week. And then after that, I should be going back to my usual two. That's good. Well, then it's Christmas, so... Yeah, true. Um, I found out on Friday that I finished on the 22nd until the 4th. Hate you. Yeah, so Amy hates me very much um 
This is the first time in three years, though, that I'll have Christmas Day and Boxing Day off. Are you off Boxing Day? I am. Oh, that's good. Hmm. Yeah, because you worked at pet stores before, haven't you? So you've always had to... Well, you've offered... I've always worked Christmas Day, yeah. yeah. you've offered to go in just to, like, feed and clean the animals, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's good, then. At least you get two days off. Yeah, and then I'm in for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then I have the rest of the week off. Brilliant. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just thinking... We wanted to do, like, a Christmas episode, didn't we, like, for Christmas? Yes. Yeah. I think it's going to be part two of this, you know? Oh, it will be, won't it? Because next week, this comes out on Wednesday the... What date? I don't know. I get my calendar. Be the 16th. So, yeah, part two, 23rd. The special Christmas episode can be on the 30th, though. Yeah, we're gonna do like a Christmas murder. Um spoiler. to get in the to, you know, get in the spirit of Christmas. Yeah, I suppose it's probably better releasing it after Christmas, to be honest. Yeah. Rather than like Happy Christmas, here's this guy who was killed on Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, we'll do it after. <laughs> yeah, and we've still got the spooky one to come, which I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, I'm looking into it. Yeah. That'll come out on the thirty first, so like a New Year's Eve present. And you'll get one episode straight after the other. Yeah, you'll get your regular one on the 30th, the Christmas one, then you'll get the spooky on the Thursday. Yeah. That'll be good. Uh, I'm currently sat in the dark, because since we've been talking, it's gone dark. (laughs) Is there even a window in that room that you're in? Yeah, oh, I've moved my... I didn't really have a podcast area. I literally just did it at the dining room table, but I've moved the desk that was in my bedroom... We call it the dinosaur room because it has dinosaur wallpaper. It used to be the bathroom. Like, this is before we moved in. And they moved the bathroom into the third bedroom at the back of the house because this room is absolutely tiny. Like it f- how, how was there a... How was that a bathroom? I don't know. It's small, isn't it? It's tiny. It's got, like, um, like a wood ceiling with spotlights in it and it's got um, a pull for the light switch. And there's also no sockets in here. So it definitely um, was the bathroom. Yeah. I don't know how. I think behind me must have been the sh- Unless it was a wet room. Could have been. I mean, this behind me was definitely a shower, because the wall in front wouldn't have fit a shower. No. So basically, you can't even fit a bed in here. It's that small. No. It's tiny. You couldn't even fit, like, a futon in there. No. It's really small. So I've moved it in here... Um, to have a space to record but because there's no sockets I've got my really long extension cable but the door won't shut because the door's too wide for the, for the lead to go underneath Um, so even though this all, all the bits are going to be edited out I've had people go into the bathroom I've had the <laughs> cat coming in and out I've had the dog coming in and out not an ideal area <laughs> it's been fun for me sitting here watching you pull your hair out a little bit <laughs> um but yeah it'll work for now i need to get like a smaller extension cable that has a thinner lead so i can shut the door and i think that'll be a big help because it is quieter back here if no one's walking about if no one needs to pee yeah <laughs> uh Oh, did you see about the um, Zodiac cipher? No. They finally solved the cipher. Sure. Yeah, do you not see it? 
No! Oh, it's all over Reddit. Oh, I'll have to go and have a look at that. Yeah, which is really exciting. It's taken so long to decipher the cipher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll mean they catch him. No. But it's interesting to see what was said. It's a step forward anyway, isn't it? Because it's been going on for that long. Yeah. You know, at least it's movement in the case. Yeah, definitely. It's good that they didn't drop it either, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just three regular guys doing it, to be honest. I think that tends to be, like, what happens. is like the police don't have as much time for it, or the investigators don't have as much time for it. And so just, you know, Joe blogs off the street, just thinks, maybe I can do something. And that's, it does seem to be how these, like, really old cases tend to get moving again. Yeah. It's from just somebody deciding that they have spare time and they want to help. Yeah, definitely. And it has proven to work. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, they call them internet sleuths, don't they? Yeah. I'd love to have the time, I've just not got the time. I'd love to know where to begin. Yeah, I suppose so. Like, I can't even Google something and get my answer, so (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't know where to start. (laughs) What else? There was one thing I was going to say. It keeps flitting out of my mind and I forgot. Oh, since we started this podcast, me and Amy haven't actually seen each other in person. No, we haven't. And it was our mum's birthday on Friday and we both went to give her presents and cards and whatever and we saw each other. Um, I did post the picture on Facebook. I apologise for how tired and grumpy we look. Yeah. But it was nice to get the picture to... Just remember the moment. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't even... I was saying to Amy, because we see each other every week doing this, like, even though it's only through Skype, it doesn't feel like that long since we've seen each other. No. I can't remember the last time I saw you. No, I think... I think I came to yours to drop something off. But I'm not too sure. Yeah. I can't remember. Because you've been just seeing Dad, haven't you? And I've just been seeing Mum. Yeah. Well, then obviously we both went to see Mum yesterday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, right, we've got to take a picture just for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to say that we... Just didn't... to prove that we've seen each other. Yeah. And then at least next time we have this conversation, we can be like, well, we took a picture last time, so we know when it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's been like, it's definitely been over two months. Yeah. Which is not nice. No. It's really not. But hopefully we can see each other at Christmas with this three household rule. Yeah, that's true. Because I want to see Dad at Christmas if I can. Yeah. As well as Mum, so. Yeah. Yeah. It would be good. Have you got anything else to say? Because I'm done. My face hurts again. My back's hurting for some reason, so. Is it? I'm good. Okay. I have to go get ready to... um. Go and eat some nice food now. Oh, very nice. Mm. I'm either going to go downstairs and sit on the couch and play on my phone, or I'm going to go and get in bed for an hour because I'm tired. I nearly fell asleep right before we started recording this. Um, (laughs) And then Dave came home and was like, are you falling asleep? We've got to go soon. And I was like, no. (laughs) And then I realised what time it was, and I was like, oh, crap, I need to go upstairs. Yeah. So, Dave's currently sat downstairs with a bottle of Magnus waiting for me to get ready. Okay, well, 
We'll let you go then. Um, if you want to follow us, you can do on Instagram and Twitter at RTRSpod. Or you can join our Facebook group, Right to Remain Silent Pod. Or you can email us at righttoremainsilentpod at gmail.com. And as I mentioned at the beginning, if you want to become a patron, you can find us on patreon.com slash rtrspod. Also, please leave some reviews and comments on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you listen, if you can. That would really help us a lot. And if anybody has any spooky stories for our 31st episode, um, let us know via email, Facebook group, or just send us a message on Instagram or tweet us. Yes, that would be really good because we really enjoyed having listener stories to read out. We did. Make, that was fun. Make it up if you want. I don't care. I just want someone to read. Yeah, just get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's told you a spooky story, it doesn't have to have happened to you. Yeah. Definitely. Or just a legend, a local legend or something. That would be interesting. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll see you next week. We will definitely be back next week with the second half of this lovely episode. Um, Hope you're nearly ready for Christmas. And I hope you finish work soon. If not, I hope it's not too bad. Yes. Have a lovely rest of your week. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye.